Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This is the Nerve Center. This is the Nerve Center. This is where it all happens. Growing tension in the Middle East. We're in the region with the U.S. Navy where they are facing relentless attacks by Houthi terrorists. No one has ever used an anti-ship ballistic missile, but certainly against commercial shipping, much less against U.S. Navy ships. Plus, the U.S. response after a drone attack kills three soldiers in Jordan. We will absolutely do what is required to protect ourselves. A special edition of the CBS Evening News starts now. Good evening, I'm Nora O'Donnell, coming to you from the U.S. Naval Base here in Bahrain amidst rising tensions in the region from the Red Sea to Jordan. And thank you for being with us. We are at the home of the U.S. Fifth Fleet and Naval Forces Central Command, getting a first look at the secret operations center here. These forces are the tip of the spear against the Iranian-backed Houthi militia, defending international waters against their terror attacks. And new offensive action may not be far off following that deadly attack in Jordan that killed three army soldiers and wounded more than 40 others. Tonight, we are learning the extent of some of those injuries, including about eight service members who had to be airlifted and the names of the three killed in the attack. Well, tonight, we've got our new reporting that U.S. air defense systems failed to protect that outpost. Plus, President Biden is vowing to retaliate in hopes of sending a clear message to Iran and others here in the region. We'll take a look at the U.S. options and the consequences of starting a wider conflict in the Middle East. We want to begin tonight with the deadly drone attack in Jordan. CBS News has learned that the drone used in the attack appears to be an Iranian one-way attack drone like the ones Iran has been providing to Russia for its war in Ukraine. Tonight, we are learning the names of the soldiers killed. 
Sergeant William Rivers, Specialist Brianna Moffat, and Specialist Kennedy Sanders. It's the latest in a series of attacks against U.S. forces in the Middle East by Iranian-backed forces. So clearly there's a, there is a responsibility that appropriately needs to be laid um, at the feet of leaders in Tehran. President Biden is vowing to strike back. But how hard and where was the topic of his national security team meeting today in the White House Situation Room? This attack over the weekend was escalatory. Make no mistake about it. And it requires a response. The drone strike on a base known as Tower 22 in northeast Jordan killed the three Americans and wounded more than 40. It was the U.S. military's worst loss of life to enemy action since the fall of Afghanistan. Pentagon officials tell CBS News the explosive drone came in low and slow several minutes after a U.S. drone was returning from a mission in Syria. The base's air defense system, which should have fired on the enemy drone, had been temporarily taken offline to allow the American drone to land safely. As a result, there was little to no warning for the troops still in their sleeping quarters, which are not built to withstand a blast. President and I Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, back at the Pentagon after a month-long illness, promised all options are on the table. We will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Vice Admiral Brad Cooper commands the 5th Fleet here in Bahrain. We asked him tonight if the security posture has changed. Yeah, we've had a very high level of force protection and security in place for a number of months. We constantly assess and then reassess what that posture looks like. I'm confident we are set right now to defend ourselves, but it's something that we look at literally every day. Have you changed anything? We change all the time. American forces have been the target of 165 attacks since October 17th, and the U.S. has launched seven retaliatory strikes against Iranian-backed militias. But congressional Republicans call those pinpricks. The deterrence and response has been weak, not strong. Uh, And until we send a strong message to Iran that we're not going to tolerate this, they will continue to hit our troops in the region. So tonight, the key question, how will the U.S. respond and what options are on the table? CBS News national security correspondent David Martin and CBS News chief foreign affairs correspondent and moderator of Face the Nation, Margaret Brennan, join me now. Good to see both of you. David, give us a sense of the military options that the Pentagon is considering in striking back. And will it be more than these pinpricks? Well, the Pentagon has developed options for striking Iranian facilities inside Iraq and Syria, instead of just going after the local militias which have been conducting these attacks against American troops. To date, the U.S. has conducted seven retaliatory strikes, but only one of them has been against Iranian targets, which were training areas used by the Iranian Revolutionary Guards inside Syria. Now they think the best way to hold Iran accountable without striking targets inside Iran, which would set off a wider war, is to go after these Iranian facilities inside Iraq, inside Syria, and Yemen as well. As one official put it, there is no shortage of targets. That's really interesting, David. Thank you. And Margaret, as the administration is debating how to respond What are the risks here? Well, Nora, the challenge is to hit hard, don't do it again, 
but avoid triggering a direct conflict with Iran itself. Tehran has not indicated they want to escalate. The U.S. has not concluded Iran directed this attack. But Tehran does support the terror group Kataib Hezbollah, believed to be behind it. And the administration is mindful there are 3,400 U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria and U.S. personnel at embassies throughout the region. They are beefing up securities across the Middle East. Now, even before this attack, President Biden was weighing whether to pull out those troops. And ever since the U.S. killed that powerful Iranian general Qasem Soleimani back in 2020, Iran has not had the same level of command and control over the militias. That makes this even more complex. Margaret Brennan, David Martin, thank you. We turn now to Israel, where a growing list of countries around the world have suspended funding to a U.N. refugee agency for Palestinians. CBS News has obtained an Israeli report that alleges that a group of workers at the aid agency actually took part in the Hamas terror attacks on October 7th. CBS's Deborah Pata has the details from Tel Aviv. Over 2 million people in Gaza rely on the UN Relief Agency and its 13,000 workers for access to aid. Now, amid damning allegations, 15 countries and the European Union have suspended their funding. In a document given to the UN, Israel accuses 12 UNRWA employees of being involved in the October 7 Hamas attack, including the kidnapping of Israeli citizens but they have yet to provide evidence substantiating these claims. The UN has fired the workers and launched an internal investigation. But the suspension of funding could not have come at a worse time. Gaza is on the brink of famine. We want them to release the hostages, Samira Hassan told us, and stop this war. It is a cry shared by many of the families of those still being held hostage. Once hostage herself, Clara Merman, was released in November, her heart, she says, remains in Gaza, where her brother and partner are still captive. She is terrified they could be killed at any moment. No price is too high for their release, she told us. Including stopping the war for two months? Yes, Although nothing has been finalized, talks between Israel, the U.S., Qatar and Egypt are inching closer towards a deal that provides for an extended ceasefire in exchange for hostages. But Hamas wants all Israeli troops out of Gaza before any hostages are released. Nora? Deborah Pata, thank you. Tonight, the heaviest fighting is taking place in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunis, where Hamas fighters could be making a final stand. CBS's Charlie Daggett was taken to the outskirts of the embattled city by Israeli defense forces who control media access to the territory. The soldiers of the 55th Brigade 98th Paratroopers Division battling Hamas militants in the southern city of Khan Yunis known as the tip of the spear brigade they escorted us into gaza the only way international journalists are allowed in embedded with the israeli military just a few minutes inside they show us a recent discovery they're finding tunnels and shafts like this everywhere but this is just a few hundred yards 
from the crossing itself, and they believe it was used by Hamas militants to attack that day. Advancing across these fields undetected enabled the first wave of the assault. We pushed deeper west toward Khan Yunus through a devastated landscape, the remains of an affluent neighborhood. This is or was an elementary school on the outskirts of Khan Yunus. It's now an Israeli military headquarters, and soldiers say they had to fight their way in to capture it. And you can see the scars of that battle everywhere. Lieutenant Colonel Anchi was part of that fight. They were firing from this school. From within schools, from within courtyards, from shafts and underground facilities. You were injured? Correct. What happened? I got a bullet in my arm. Came in and out. Even as Israeli forces surround the last remaining Hamas stronghold, the group's leaders remain at large, likely holed up in the labyrinth that lies beneath this desolate wasteland, along with more than 130 hostages that are still missing. Charlie Daggett, CBS News, in the Khan Yunus area, inside Gaza. More now on where we are tonight here in Bahrain. This naval base and its sailors are responsible for protecting American interests and assets in the waters around the Middle East, including the Red Sea. That's where Houthi terrorists are targeting commercial vessels and now U.S. Navy warships, disrupting a trillion dollars worth of trade. We are here reporting a larger story for 60 Minutes, and we were the only journalists given access to the Secret Operations Center as a new kind of naval warfare is taking shape. Where are we headed now? Vice Admiral Brad Cooper is the top naval officer in the Middle East. It is the nerve center for U.S. Navy operations throughout the entire Middle East. The three-star admiral commands the more than 7,000 sailors and Marines who only arrived in the Red Sea in the past few months. It's intense. They've been operating in this environment for about two months. It's the longest period that the United States Navy has operated in what we call a WES, a weapons engagement zone, or under the umbrella of an adversary on a consistent basis since World War II. There's no daydreaming going on. There's no daydreaming. The admiral told us every second counts once Houthi militants fire off missiles or drones from Yemen. How much time is there between a Houthi launch and then it could reach a U.S. ship? So at any given moment, there's about 75 seconds between when that missile launches and when it's going to hit something. If it's coming toward them, now just put yourself in the seat of the destroyer captain on that ship. He has about 9 to 15 seconds to make a decision that they're going to shoot that down. The U.S. Navy has shot down 80 Houthi drones, crews, and ballistic missiles. What kind of damage would one of those anti-ship ballistic missiles do on a commercial ship? Well, let's go right here. This is exactly what it looks like. So this happened uh, three nights ago. This particular ship uh, was, was much further away outside of a defensive umbrella, the Houthis attacked it, and you can see in practical terms what the damage was. Enormous fires. Admiral Cooper told us it's Iran that's providing the hardware and the intelligence so the Houthis can aim at the American military. No one has ever used an anti-ship ballistic missile, uh, certainly against commercial shipping, much less against U.S. Navy ships. That's what makes this conflict it's unique. It's very unique. And we'll have much more of our coverage and reporting from the region all week long as we spend time with sailors and commanders to get a firsthand look at the challenging and dangerous work keeping these waters safe and protecting American interests. Back in Washington, a bipartisan group of senators is putting the finishing touches on a plan to revamp the immigration system and try and secure the southern border. 
but House Republicans are already planning to shoot down the plan. We get details from CBS's Nancy Cordes at the White House. Our country is being invaded right now, right in front of our very eyes, because of Joe Biden's catastrophic border policies. And Joe Biden should be ashamed of himself. House Republicans slammed the president's handling of immigration this evening, even as the White House and bipartisan negotiators race to finalize a package of major new border restrictions. Oklahoma Republican James Langford. We're working on the final uh, aspects of it to try to be able to get it out so everyone can get a chance to read it. Right now, they're all functioning off of Internet rumors. The centerpiece of the plan is a new presidential authority to swiftly deport most migrants seeking asylum anytime there is a surge in unlawful border crossings, like December when encounters at the border hit an all-time high. That bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. But President Biden's predecessor, who plans to run on immigration, urged Republicans this weekend to kill the deal. Please blame it on me. Please. Because they were getting ready to pass a very bad bill. And I'll tell you what, a bad bill is, I'd rather have no bill than a bad bill. A bad bill you can't have. Wondering if I can get your reaction to that. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. The bipartisan agreement that they're coming forward with are things that House Republicans have said and Republicans more broadly said they wanted. They have said over and over again, this is what they want to see. A new front in this battle opens tomorrow when House Republicans plan to hold an initial vote in their bid to impeach the Secretary of Homeland Security. They claim he hasn't been enforcing existing border laws. DHS called this a politically motivated sham designed to appease the MAGA wing of the party. Nora. Nancy Cordes at the White House. Thank you. Now to some breaking news from South Carolina, where a judge this evening rejected disgraced attorney and convicted murderer Alec Murdaugh's request for a new trial. His lawyers argued the jury was influenced by a court clerk. CBS's Nikki Batiste was in the courtroom. This matter is now adjourned. Tonight, a South Carolina judge ruled. I do. Despite believing the court clerk in Alec Murdahl's double murder trial lacked credibility, Murdahl should not get a new trial. I did not have a conversation with any juror about anything related to this case. Murdahl's lawyers say that court clerk Rebecca Hill told jurors not to be misled by the defense's evidence or fooled by Murdahl's testimony and pressured them to quickly render a guilty verdict, which would help Hill sell a tell-all book she planned to write. I usually give a little pep talk to the jurors, and I do remember saying, pay attention, it's a big day today. One of the jurors who found Murdahl guilty said comments made by Hill to, quote, watch Murdahl's actions and watch him closely when he took the stand, made it seem like he was guilty, which influenced her verdict. Another juror also said they heard comments Hill made about Murdahl, but were not influenced. Are you feeling confident? We're not going to comment at the same. All 12 jurors testified today. Alec Murdoch has to deal with the punishment that will stand for these cases at the moment. Alec Murdoch's lawyers could appeal today's ruling. Tonight, they say their focus is finding the real killer of Murdoch's wife and son. Nora? Nikki Batiste, thank you. There's a double dose of medical news on the British royal family. We'll have the details next. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Britain's King Charles and his daughter-in-law, Princess Catherine, were both released from the same hospital today. The 75-year-old King spent the weekend at the London Clinic after procedure for an enlarged prostate. The 42-year-old princess was in the hospital for about two weeks following abdominal surgery. Both are said to be doing well. The matchup is set for Super Bowl 58. Will Taylor Swift make it to the big game? We've got some news ahead. That's next. The Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers punched their tickets to the Super Bowl over the weekend. The Chiefs, led by Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, are looking to become the first back-to-back champions in nearly 20 years. The 49ers are looking to win a record-tying sixth Super Bowl title. And there's word that Taylor Swift is planning to make it to the big game. She has concerts scheduled that weekend in Tokyo. Super Bowl 58 on Sunday, February 11th, will be right here on CBS, Paramount Plus, and Nickelodeon. Looking forward to it. An American researcher says he may have found the long-lost plane of Amelia Earhart. We'll show you why next. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Finally tonight, a possible clue to one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in American history, the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. The exploration company Deep Sea Vision revealed this sonar image over the weekend of what could be the Earhart's missing plane on the bottom of the Pacific Ocean. In 1937, Earhart disappeared while attempting to become the first female pilot to fly around the world. The explorers plan to return for a closer look. 
That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell at U.S. Naval Base here in Bahrain. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts.